This evening's scripture is taken from Psalms 142, verses 1 and 2. Psalms 142, verses 1 and 2. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're very thankful for the opportunity to come back again tonight to worship God in spirit and in truth. I do want to mention that our fellowship meal today was a great success. We had a good number stay and we had uh, the food was excellent. The fellowship was very enjoyable. We were able to, uh, I guess, find out what focus teams all of us are on now. And so with that, we want to get busy and do all that we can to help further the work here in this community. And we're grateful that you have chosen to be a part of this work. I appreciate very much Brother Tim Cathy leading, uh, leading us in this effort. And I think that uh, our efforts uh, certainly will help others by way of encouragement. And it will also help to lead others to Christ. Tonight in our study, we're going to be looking at Psalm 142. In our study tonight, I want you to think with me about the theme, when no one else cares, God cares. And really one of the dilemmas that the psalmist faced in this particular psalm is the fact that in his eyes, no one cared about him. There are many people in our world today that no doubt feel very much like David, that no one cares about them. Peter, almost 2,000 years ago, in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 7, encourages people of every age in these terms. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It may be the case that no one cares about you, but God cares. And so in Psalm 142, tonight I want us to think about, first of all, the circumstances of David, and then in the second place, we're going to talk about the cry of David. First of all, we look at his circumstances, and David makes it very plain that he is, he is facing troubles in this life. Look, if you would, at verses 1 and 2, the passage that Matt read a moment ago. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplications. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. One of the things that strikes me about the Psalms has to do with the number of Psalms that have been penned by inspired men who faced great difficulties. And I think there's a reason for that, because life is often filled with troubles. Job acknowledged in chapter 14 at verse 1, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. I would encourage you to read through the Psalms and note how many Psalms give attention to trials and tribulations and troubles in life. Think about what Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, when he said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I think that you and I, as God's people, can look back to the Psalms, and we can read these Psalms and thus draw great encouragement 
to hold on and go on in life. One of the great devices of Satan is discouragement. And if Satan can somehow discourage you in your Christian walk, then it might be the case that you'll give up, throw in the towel. And so the Psalms, to me, are inspirational. And so, with that in mind, we think about the troubles of David. And really what you need to understand is that, at least in this setting, David's pain is great. He enumerates some of the problems that he's facing in life. For example, in verse 3, he said, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. And that word overwhelmed, there's a footnote in the New King James Version, which suggests that the term could be translated fainted. When my spirit was overwhelmed or when I fainted. There are times in life when, as a result of trials and tribulations and troubles, that we literally feel overwhelmed. We know not where to turn. There have been times, I suspect, in your life when as a result of the troubles that you faced, you've just felt overwhelmed. What are you going to do under certain circumstances? Well, that, that's how David felt. And one of the things that maybe we would do well to remember is that David, like the other people that you read about in the Bible, they were made of flesh and blood. And they experienced the, the same kinds of trials and tribulations that, that you and I experience today. Just because we can read about men like David and others doesn't mean that they were exempt from troubles. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read, and well, just take the Old Testament, for example. Look at some of the great men and women of God and think about how they experienced any number of troubles. Abraham, James calls him the friend of God. And yet Abraham experienced trials and tribulations in his life. We think about the fact that this man was called upon to be a leader among the Hebrew people, and yet the path that he was called upon to take was not an easy one. And then also I think about Joseph. Joseph was a man that was mistreated any number of times, and yet Joseph maintained his faith and fidelity in God. What about Moses? Moses was the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel, and yet he too faced in a number of troubles. And then you read about the prophets, men like Jeremiah or Amos, and they too faced their trials and tribulations in life. In the New Testament, probably the greatest example would be the Apostle Paul outside of Jesus Christ. We think about the trials that he faced. When we talk about the agony that David experienced, I'm reminded of what was said of Jesus by Luke in Luke chapter 22 at verse 44, Jesus, you recall, was standing in the shadow of the cross. And the Bible says, and being in agony, he prayed more fervently. And so Jesus experienced agony. He experienced pain and trial and tribulation in this life. But then also we think about David's adversaries. Note, if you would, what is said. Drop down, if you would. And look at verses 6 and 7. David writes, Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. 
Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. David had his adversaries, and when you begin to examine the life of David, a couple of adversaries that are well known to us, the first would be King Saul. Saul, you recall, back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, had disobeyed the command of God to go and to utterly destroy the Amalekites. As a result of that, the kingdom was taken from him. David was then anointed as his successor. And yet, King Saul did everything within his power to destroy David. And then also, what about David's own son, Absalom? Absalom sought to circumvent the kingdom from him. It's hard to imagine somebody that's literally flesh and blood, bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh, turning on you. And yet, Absalom turned on his own daddy. In Psalm 55, we read about, we read about the, the, the trials that David experienced in life, and he talks about how he has been hurt. And in that context, the one or ones that have hurt him are those closest to him. He talks about the one that had taken sweet counsel with him, the one that had gone to the house of God with him. And so... David was well aware that adversaries are a part of life, and he faced his adversaries on this occasion. And then also look at verse 4. Back up and look at verse 4. We think about his agony, his adversaries, but then David says he's all alone. He writes, look on my right hand and see, for there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Now there are a lot of, of things in life that can bring about distress. And when you face distress and trial and tribulation, at least in my mind, it's always encouraging to know that others are willing to support you. And I think that as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do is support one another. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 and about verse 15. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Or then in Galatians 6 at verse 2 where Paul writes, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You and I, we are to be burden bearers. And we are to, to care for one another. We're to try to encourage and build up and edify one another. But at least on this occasion, David says that his situation is such that refuge has failed him and no one cares for his soul. Probably one of the, the most discouraging thoughts that comes to mind is to contemplate facing life, facing adversity alone. And yet, that's how David felt. And so we look at his agony, his adversaries, and the fact that he is all alone. But then in the second place, note with me if you would, the cry of David. And here I think that when you begin to look at Psalm 142, one of the things that stands out is that David is a man who trusts in the Lord. 
And because of his great trust in Jehovah God, we find him raising petitions to God. And so, let's look at verses 1 and 2. I cry to the Lord with my voice, with my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication, I pour out my complaint before him, I declare before him my trouble. As you and I think about this petition to God, I would suggest that the Lord is a resource in times of trouble. But note if you would what David says again. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Isn't it, isn't it comforting to know that in times of adversity, trial, tribulation, whatever may come our way, that we have someone in whom we can pour out our complaints and our troubles. Sometimes individuals need an outlet. And when they face discouraging times in life, when the trials and the tribulations seem to be weighing upon them, they'll turn to a friend or a family member. And they will literally unload on that, on that person. They talk about all of the problems and the trials that they're experiencing. And that's helpful. But I think it's of great comfort to know that God wants us to pour our hearts out to Him, that we have that invitation. That invitation is open and extended to all. David talked about how morning, noon, and evening he prayed. He said, I cry aloud in Psalm 55. David was a man of prayer. David was a shepherd. And I think about how David probably spent many nights praying to God, many days praying to the Lord throughout the day. Well, you and I, we are, we are encouraged to approach the throne of God, to literally lay before Him our trials and our tribulations. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the writer says, Therefore let us draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants us to come before Him in prayer. God is... He is acutely concerned about our lives here upon planet earth. There are some people that have the idea that God created the world and then just stepped away, totally unconcerned about the plight of his creation. That's not true. God is at work in the affairs of man. Daniel acknowledged that in Daniel chapter 4 verse 32 when he said the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. God is mindful of what we're going through. Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are numbered. God is involved in our lives. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants us to pour out our hearts to Him. I cited a moment ago, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where Peter said, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you, suggesting to us that God is, is a divine being who cares about us and he wants us to take our anxieties, our troubles to him. Think about what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. He said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your requests be, be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, David's petition to God 
his great resource in time of trouble. Let me encourage you when you face difficulties in life, there are several things you and I don't need to do. Number one, don't sell out. There are a lot of people when they face when they face trials and tribulations in life, they sell out. Think about a child of God. As Christians, we are said to be a distinctive people. We're different. Peter talks about how we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We are God's people. We're his children. And yet sometimes when adversities come, people will literally sell out. How many people have you known when they face trials and troubles in life turned to alcohol or drugs? They became chemically dependent on some type of prescription drug. Well, don't sell out. Don't become enslaved to something, some type of substance to help you with your troubles. Turn to the Lord. Now, I understand that there are some people that have chemical imbalances and they need medication for that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that abuse prescription medication or people that abuse illegal substances to aid them with their problems in life. So number one, don't sell out. Number two, don't bail out. A lot of times when people face troubles in life, the first thing they think about doing is running away, escaping from their troubles. Well, one of the things that, that you and I need to understand is we can't run from our problems. If you run from your problems when you come back, they're still there. The psalmist in Psalm 55, in verse 6, said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I, then I would fly away and be at rest. That's what some people try to do. They, they try to escape their problems by running away. Jonah was one of God's great prophets. When God called upon him to go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, do you know what he did? went in the opposite direction, some 500 miles in the opposite direction. That's where he was headed anyway, to Tarshish. You and I, we can't run from our problems. So don't sell out, don't bail out, and then finally, don't fall out. There are a lot of people in the Lord's church today that because of problems and adversities, they throw in the towel, they give up. James talks about in James chapter 1 how all of us experience various trials in life. He said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials. When we face the trials of life, how are we going to react? There are two potential, there are two possibilities, I guess you could say. Number one, we can allow the trials of life to build, to strengthen our faith, or we can allow the adversities of life to break our faith. They can either strengthen us or break us down. But here's what James said. In light of the outward and inward trials and temptations that all of us are subjected to, in verse 12 he said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So what we have to do is hold on to keep the faith Remember what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10, Be faithful until death, and I will give unto, unto you the crown of life, the Stephanos, the victor's crown, 
You can't get the crown if you give up. And so, don't sell out, don't bail out, and don't fall out. Not only do we read of David's petition to God, but David also cites the presence of God. Look again at what he says. In verse 5, David writes, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry. David realized that he had a refuge in God. Not only did he have a resource in times of trouble, trouble, but he had a refuge in times of trouble. In Psalm 46, the psalmist said in the long ago, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Or think about Psalm 18 where David again talks about how God is his refuge. You and I, we can look to God as a haven of rest, as a shelter from the storms of life. Let me suggest unto you tonight that God will do several things for us when we face the trials of life. Number one, God will stand by us. God was mindful of the plight of David. He, uh, he understood what David was undergoing. He was mindful of the path that he was taking. Look at verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I should walk, or in the way in which I walk. God was going to stand by David. Even though others might not stand with him, God was there. Here's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 13. I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? This, this is a quotation going back to the book of Joshua. Joshua succeeded Moses, the lawgiver and leader of ancient Israel. And when God commissioned Joshua to lead his people into the promised land, into Canaan, he made this promise, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. We need to understand that God will stand by us. Not only will God stand by us, but I would submit unto you that God will strengthen us. In Psalm 18, David writes, I love you, O Lord, my strength. He talks about how God is his rock, his fortress, his deliverer the very being in whom he trusted. God will strengthen us if we'll only turn to him. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 at verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord will strengthen us. Not only will the Lord strengthen us, but the Bible suggests that he will sustain us. Look at Psalm 55 verse 22. There David said, cast your burden on the Lord and he will what? He will sustain you. I think about somebody who will support us, who's going to be there to help us in times of need. And then finally, and I think that this is closely connected, the Lord will secure or aid us. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 2 at verse 18, the Bible speaks of Christ and says, In that he himself hath been tempted, he is able to, the old King James Version says, secure. And the idea is 
aid. He's able to aid those who are tempted. The Lord will aid us. He will succor us if we'll only turn to him. That's what David did. You read the Psalms. I would encourage you, spend a lot of time in the the Psalms and note where David's trust and confidence was. It was in God. It wasn't in man. You see, sometimes our fellow man, our friends, our neighbors, maybe even our own family will let us down, but the Lord will never let us down. It may have been the case. I guess it was the case. That in the eyes of David, no one cared about him. But God did. And it might be, it might be your case tonight, your situation tonight, that you feel like no one cares about you. But I'm here to say God cares. No one else may care, but the Lord does. Life is tough. And I'm grateful that as a child of God, we have one another, that we can encourage and inspire one another, that we can, we can pray for one another. We can send a note of encouragement. We can tell other people we're thinking about them. We can tell one another we're thinking about you or vice versa. We need one another, and we need to look to the Lord in times of trial. If you're here tonight, maybe you're not a Christian. I said a moment ago that life is tough. And it's true, it is tough. But you know, the best way to live life is to live it as a Christian. To know that the Lord is on your side. To know that you can live with Him at your side 24-7. I can't imagine going through life without the Lord at my side. What about you? If you're here tonight and you've not obeyed the gospel of Christ, maybe, maybe your life is not what it should be, and you realize that. If Christ isn't in your life, you realize there is a void. Well, tonight we encourage you to fill that void with the Lord, to turn to Him. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, verse 24. The Bible also says that except you repent, you will all likewise perish in Luke 13, verse 3. We are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, according to Acts 8, verse 37. The Bible then tells us we are to be immersed in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. When we do that, the Lord then adds us to the church, the body of Christ, Acts 2, verse 47. And if we're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here tonight, maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you've given up. Jesus talked about in the parable of of the sower, the four types of soil. And each of those differing types of soil represented the human heart. And he said that some people allow tribulation and persecution because of the word to lead them to abandon the faith. Maybe you've allowed the cares of the world tribulation, trial, whatever. Maybe you've allowed that to come between you and your service to the Lord. Well, tonight we encourage you to come home. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing? Things that are higher, things that are nobler, 
These have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is the living way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, Still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, 